I think there will be a real elevation of people-centric design, designing from the user for the user. Data is no longer an invisible force, but a fundamental part of everyone's daily lives, akin to uh, when people start adopting electricity. I think there's going to be a focus on technical skill sets and training. That is going to be a real critical area in 2019. Hello and welcome to Series 2 of Explain It, brought to you by Softcat, the show for IT professionals by IT professionals. This show aims to simplify the complex and often overcomplicated bits of enterprise IT without compromising on detail. I'm host Michael Bird, and over the next 30 or so minutes, I'll be challenging our panel of experts to take a different area of the IT ecosystem and, of course, explain it. So for the first episode of Series 2 and the first episode of 2019, we're going to be asking our panel what their enterprise tech predictions are for 2019, plus also to give us a bit of an idea of what happened in 2018. And with me to help are four of SoftCat's chief technologists. And in this series, we're going to be asking all of our guests to tell us an interesting fact. The idea is it'll help you as the listeners to figure out who's who. So without further ado, let's introduce our guests. Uh, so first up, we have Dylan Foster-Edwards, who is SoftCat's head of the office of the CTO. Dylan, what is your interesting fact? In fact, the first interesting fact of uh, Explain It and the first interesting fact of 2019. My second language is that I'm a fluent speaker in Welsh. That is interesting. Uh, well, uh, thank you. What was that? Good morning. Oh, okay. Thank you. Good what morning. about Happy New Year? Blue, blue. Sorry, it's a bit of a tongue to Does sound Welsh. <laughs> blue, blue isn't there with that. Which means Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year. We also have Dean Gardner, who is SoftCat's Chief Technologist for Cloud. Uh, Dean, what is your interesting fact? So my interesting fact was I, uh, in the 90s, for four years, was a semi-professional footballer. Were you actually? I was. I played for Bromley. No way. And Grays, yeah. Did you get paid for it? Uh, yes. How much? Not a lot. Can I ask? envelope stuff. Keep it there. Did you score any goals? Quite a few. Yeah, yeah. Where did you play? I was centre midfield or just up front, but um, I ended up going to New Zealand playing football there as well for a season. Really? Yeah. Okay. We also have Adam Harding, who is SoftCat's Chief Technologist for End User Computing. Adam, what is your interesting fact? Well, I love motorcycles. Love them. Uh, and I was having a conversation with my friends about how terribly useless a motorcycle and a sidecar was. So obviously, I immediately bought one. Um, so I bought a 1974 Russian motorcycle, got it back home, and decided to turn the whole th- refurbish the entire thing yep. and turn the whole thing into a, a beer bar so now it's a mobile beer bar mobile beer bar yeah, yeah I basically just drive it in my garden and use it for barbecues but it's amazing it's my proudest we also have Craig Leginski who is Softcat's chief technologist for emerging technologies Craig what is your interesting fact uh, so my my interesting fact is that unlike Dylan I can't speak Welsh but <laughs> I can say Happy New Year in Polish. Got them. It's especially Fego Nowego Oku. Can you speak any other Polish other than just Happy New Year? No, I can speak quite a bit of Polish, some German, some French, and the classic English way of communicating with anyone outside of the English-speaking world, which is talking louder and slower. He's <laughs> <laughs> just showing off now. Yeah. And sometimes in English. <laughs> most, okay, most very occasionally in English. I'm also semi-fluent in Mank, being from the, the frozen north. <laughs> and this, as you may have realised, Craig is calling in from Manchester. So thank you very much for joining us, Craig. So I've asked each member of our panel to take a technology area and give a quick 2018 summary and more importantly, give us some tech predictions for 2019. So the four areas we're going to be looking at are hybrid infrastructure, uh, which Dean is going to be talking about, digital workspace, which uh, Adam is going to be talking about, cybersecurity, which Dylan is going to cover, and then IT intelligence, which Craig is going to be looking at. 
So let's start off with Dean. So Dean, what happened in the world of hybrid infrastructure in 2018? So last year, in 2018, we found that a lot of organizations were uh, standardizing on-premise. So they started looking at what they could do with their on-premise data centers. So hyperconverged became quite a big market in 2018. Public clouds from 2017 into 18 was a focus point for organizations, but they realized how difficult that was. Um, and so that hybrid cloud conversation pretty much took hold. And we're seeing a lot of enterprise organizations moving to public cloud, probably more than we probably expected, but still obviously having quite a large on-premise footprint. So um, hybrid cloud is pretty much where organizations have been this year. Um, and I think there's that standardization of on-prem with the right model of service being consumed from public cloud. So I just think people have become, and organizations are becoming a bit more kind of grown up about where public cloud fits and where it doesn't fit. Um, whereas I'd say last year, there was this push to go all in public cloud. And I just think people have realized that's not, in most cases, the right model. And there's kind of a, a, a an intelligent conversation to be had about where workloads fit. And, and obviously, in most cases, public cloud and on-premise is still very relevant. So, Dean, what is your big prediction for 2019? So, my big prediction for 2019 will be um, organizations to more moving with hybrid cloud infrastructure. And that means that people will be investing in uh, a standardization and consolidation in their existing data centers, but really leveraging public cloud where it fits and where it's suitable. The move to all in public cloud, I think people have realized that that's not the right model for a lot of organizations. And I think there's going to be definitely a move in that direction. But I think there's going to be a focus on technical skill sets and training. So people really understand where it fits and where it doesn't fit. And I think that is going to be a real critical area in 2019. And um, we're moving into areas such as uh, looking to consolidate databases within the on-premise data center. So looking to look at the big database environments that you have around your applications and seeing where you can do those things better and public cloud is definitely something that organizations need to do understand where they can do it better um, and we're seeing a lot more advancements around machine learning artificial intelligence um, and and those specific areas and investments and services coming from the public cloud providers and again it all comes down to where do they fit where are they relevant and it all for me comes back to the understanding and the technical skills training for operations teams that are running IT today so there won't be a massive move in that direction but I do think in 2019 there's going to be um, a consolidation if you like of what's happening and simplification of what's happening in in a hybrid cloud world um, and you know we've got some big big plays this year such as you know SQL end of life for 2008 so there's going to be a big move around organizations looking to probably uh, fix that issue or solve that problem by consuming or pushing those databases out to the cloud providers um, and um, there's some sort of compelling events such as AWS uh, providing um, services or infrastructure now back into the data center with their outposts announcement which was at reinvent last uh, last year and I think it's those kind of things where everybody's looking at hybrid cloud infrastructure as kind of a major play in 2019. Um, and, and that's all vendors, whether it's public cloud and the traditional on-premise vendors. So hybrid cloud then is, is, your, is your big prediction. How will that prediction affect organizations? And what, if anything, will organizations need to do to take advantage of it in 2019 this year? I uh, think that a lot of organizations are still stuck with infrastructure that is um, uh, you know, server storage networking. And I think there's going to be a massive hyper-converged play. We're seeing that already uh, last year in, in 2018. I think that will just carry on. So much of the same. But we'll see a lot of organizations that potentially look at um, hyper-converged and they're, they're going to be doing that to standardize. 
it all comes down to, 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 to for me, technical skill sets and understanding. You know, there is a shortage of technical skills around where hybrid cloud can work. And I think that's going to be a focus point. And I think we're going to see a lot of organizations investing in their people um, to be able to essentially take advantage of those services and technologies. Um, they're in public clouds in, in AWS and Azure alone, they have over 100 services available to serve different platform models essentially to, 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 to kind of provide service functions to to organizations and that's a lot that's a lot to understand that's a lot to kind of educate yourself against to understand where they fit and I think there's going to be a massive play in in that piece that education piece and that training piece because ultimately there are services that can fit in the services that can't just moving virtual machines from an on-premise environment into cloud people realize that's not going to give you any benefit so why do it and I think that's what we've realized talking to our customers that there's, if you're going to do that, you might also stay within an on-premise environment, but consolidate into a hyper-converged and actually plug in a public cloud where possible and applicable to actually do things even new or replace service functions that run traditionally maybe on a virtual machine. But that's going to have to uh, come with it, um, an education piece and an understanding. So that to me is a massive area of focus for, for 2019. So how likely out of 10 do you think we'll be talking about hybrid cloud this time next year? I think we'll be talking about it a, a nine or 10. And the reason being is that we've seen public cloud providers now starting to go back into the on-premise. So Adam, let's move on to digital workspace then. So what happened in the world of digital workspace in 2018? So 2018 was very much the year where there was a collective realization that organizations are not Windows 10 ready. Um, so there was a huge amount of activity from organizations trying to understand what are the questions we need to ask ourselves? What do we do with our applications? What do we do with our data? What do we do with our operating systems? What do we do with the client devices? What do we do with the backend infrastructure? How do we change the uh, operational model so that we can work in the new Windows as a service evergreen world? That was the big one. Other things that really stepped up were generally the, the management of end-user technology infrastructure. So historically, we've had things like System Center, which gives you uh, a very traditional management approach, very um, heavy and very detailed, and it allows you to do a huge, have a huge amount of control of your devices. And then on the flip side, we've had our phones and our tablets that have been managed by MDM-style tools. Realistically, last year was the first year where uh, products from, say, VMware, such as Workspace ONE, or from Citrix, Citrix Workspace, um, and Microsoft's own co-management approach, bringing Intune and SEC um, together, started to be used. So that was a big shift. And the third thing is I think it was the year of subscription of everything. Um, so historically, we're all, we're all completely comfortable with and used to uh, software as a service, be, and your, as, as Dean has mentioned uh, in this podcast, the cloud piece is huge and it's a monthly commitment and so on and so forth. That has really reached down into how we buy our hardware now as well. So there's been a big push from the HPs, the Dells, the Lenovo's, the Apples of this world to give you a more than just a finance agreement, but the ability to subscribe to your device and then to have some additional services on top. So Adam, what is your big prediction then for digital workspace in 2019? So my big prediction is actually not focused on a technology, it's focused on an approach. I think there will be a real elevation of people-centric design, designing from the user for the user to ensure that 
all of these new technologies that we are introducing as part of the Windows 10 upgrade, perhaps uh, adopting Microsoft 365 or G Suite or whatever it might be, uh, the new devices that come along with that, the introduction of new collaboration tools, all that type of stuff um, is designed from the user for the user. It's about trying to make sure that they have simple, secure access to the applications, the data, the people and the processes that they need at any point, given point in time on any device in any scenario. The other things I think that you'll see is there'll be a continued, absolute continued focus on, on the Windows 10 migration. We are now, we're now pretty much at uh, T minus 12 months to have that done before you're going to need to extend your Windows 7 support, which is a relatively expensive uh, approach to doing things. I think that you'll find um, mobility will be a given in the end user technology projects, and it's seamless collaboration and the interconnectedness of people, processes, and service services that will be the focus uh, of, of the new of the new projects and programs um, I think you'll find that data classification and conditional uh, conditional and contextual access will be a real focus for people um, because there's been a lot of talk about it and people have struggled for a long time to classify their data which has made it very difficult for them to apply policies to files which has made it very difficult for them to extend access to that outside of the organization to their people on the move so that's got to be dealt with um, and again and Microsoft and other uh, other vendors have done a good job of making sure that at least the tool sets exist. There's going to be a lot of um, work involved in helping you categorize your environment. I also think employee engagement is going to be a big thing. Um, organizations are going to put a greater focus on measuring and improving employee sentiment, enablement and empowerment. And they will be using data-driven behavioral an analytics um, and artificial intelligence and machine learning tools to make sure they have more of a real-time view of, um, of, 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 of how their users feel of whether they're positive about the changes that are being made to the organization, specifically changes that are going to be made within the IT environment. And, and rather than the historic approach, which has potentially been send some business analysts around before we start a project, gather a thousand pain points, cram them into 10 problem statements, and then agree them, sign it off, and never go back and talk to those users again, they'll be repetitive um, continual measurement to show progress of the investments. I think that will become a bigger thing because actually that's how you'll make sure that your uh, transformational projects land properly. And we, we make sure that we have done the right awareness, the right enablement, the right, created the right appetite to use new technology and new ways of working. And also to make sure we reinforce it because you'll f a lot of the time we still find that maybe six months after a transformation, um, people start to revert to their old habits. Okay, so then how will people-centric design uh, affect organisations? And what, if anything, will they need to do to take advantage uh, of, of people-centric design? So people-centric design won't affect organisations. It's, it's, it's a process they need to carry themselves. Uh, but what they will need to do to benefit from it is get genuinely get closer to their users. Um, historically, in our industry, the, 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 the flow of activities is we go and find out what the business problems are from the business owners, from the business leaders, uh, and then we sign off a business case and then we go and do some stuff. But there is often a distance between the perceived problems at that exec level and the problems when you uh, the, the real world problems when you talk to the, the feet on the street the people on the ground and i think that some of the uh, challenges we have with making sure that transformations stick and the benefits are realized is probably not including the 
the, 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 the real workers, the doers in that conversation early enough. So I think there will have to be a mindset change. You know, waiting until there's enough complaints before you do something is a road to ruin. So it's trying to be proactive, lean into your user base, try and delight them as you would the customers of your organization. So how likely uh, out of 10 do you think we'll, we'll be talking about people-centric design and the other predictions that you made this time next year, January 2020? Well, people-centric design, I would like to think that it's a growing piece and we're talking probably a 7 out of 10, hoping that, the, that in 2021 or wherever we're going after that, it'll be a 9 out of 10 and so on and so forth. I think it will gather momentum. Microsoft Windows 10, well, they'll, ideally, there'll only be two weeks left until the support shuts off. So, um, But there'll be a lot of panic and there'll be a lot of people that have missed the mark. So I would say that's almost a 10. And the conversations will all, all be about um, extending the support. They'll be about can... Uh, organizations like Softcat do the readiness work to accelerate the outcomes. There'll be a lot of that. And the other thing that I think that the conversation will shift to on, on the Microsoft Windows 10 piece is organizations already struggle to get their applications and their data ready for the update. Realistically, the Windows 10 update cycle that you want to move with is every six months. So I think there'll be a, there'll be a, a surge in the requirement for application readiness as a service where you outsource, outsource your application compatibility packaging, remediation, and so on and so forth, to um, third parties, you outtask it, to use their automation platforms so that you can go quick enough. Um, and I think there'll probably be a similar thing with straight Windows 10 image management services. With regards to mobility and the fact that, I, I actually think that mobility, as I've said, will be a given. So yes, it'll be included in every RFP and every tender response that anybody puts out or receives. Um, but I think the collaboration piece will be a, a, a good eight or nine out of 10. Um, the interconnectedness of your people with their applications, with each other, with the services, that's the thing that's going to differentiate you from, from your competitors next door. So that's a big mark. Um, VDI, people keep on telling me VDI is dead. It's not dead. It serves an absolute purpose, but I think the conversation will change. So that is definitely going to be uh, within the seven to eight out of ten bracket um, as to how frequently, at least, it comes up. But the conversation will change. Um, the old adage that virtual desktops should be kept close to the data they're calling on is true. So you will see uh, um, the VDI uh, deployments across Azure, AWS, IBM Cloud grow exponentially over the course of the next year. So it'll only become even more important as you're trying to hook into the good stuff from Amazon and Microsoft and, and, and the other guys. Um, there will also be, if, if, if uh, you're still looking to uh, execute your VDI sessions on-premise, I think that realistically the conversation will lean towards um, how do I use a management and data and control plane up in the cloud and still manage the data in the VDI sessions themselves on-premise. Um, Data classification and contextual access, it's a big problem. We will still be talking about that for a very, very long time. That's a good 10, but we must get there because that's what gives you the, the ability to work, um, to access this stuff and distribute the stuff with, con with confidence. Uh, and that's what we need. Otherwise, you're going to fall behind your competitors who are able to give their data, use their file data and distribute it effectively to customers and partners and suppliers and, and uh, let alone the people that work for them. Oh, and the, the employee engagement stuff. That will bubble and it will it will it will grow as we come along. I think that we will see conversations around people like uh, Qualtrics, who have been bought by SAP for eight billion dollars. So they must think there's something in this, um, and Pecon start to rise. So probably a we will definitely talk about it. Six out of ten. Okay, so let's move on to cybersecurity. Dylan, what happened in the world of cybersecurity in 2018? 
So in uh, 2018, a few things really. So again, it's been another busy year from a security perspective, from a tech and a channel perspective. Um, 2018 has been a year that uh, data has continued to be important and uh, is reaching the top of uh, everybody's conscious. Uh, you know, and I guess if you look at back in what happened in May with GDPR coming into effect, uh, data uh, continues to be a, a major issue. And we see you know, a number of huge data breaches within the year with the likes of Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, etc. Um, so, you know, clearly it's important that uh, people are keeping control of their data. And, you know, if you look at some of the buzzwords around IoT, autonomous vehicles, AI, uh, they all create data and all potentially create security uh, problem for customers. So it's important that they're obviously getting a grips uh, of what's happening in their space as they adopt those technologies. Data is no longer an invisible force, but uh, an, a fundamental part of everyone's li daily life. So uh, akin to uh, when people start adopting electricity uh, you know, over a century ago. So Dylan, what is your big prediction for 2019? Well, actually, I've got three for 2019. Okay. So firstly, uh, identity and access management uh, uh, in support of cloud adoption. And I'll come back to the detail in a second. Cost of poorly implemented permissions uh, across a per user license model. And lastly, uh, password breaches and uh, phishing attacks will continue to be a challenge in 2019. Let's talk about identity management and access to cloud platforms then. So yeah, identity and access management, I guess, will continue to be a, a major investment as far as organizations who are looking to uh, adopt more cloud services you know, as they increase and take on uh, more services, especially in, in the SaaS space, uh, you know, it'll become more and more important they have control uh, of that identity and access manager because and elements of that are, are, I guess, no longer going to be under their control. So potentially uh, opening up more holes in their environment that they have less control over. Uh, and I guess you know, in the SaaS space especially, you know, we're seeing it in some of our organizations where uh, some of those are being adopted without the involvement of IT because people will just say, oh, that's a good SaaS service. I'll subscribe to it, start using it, and most of you don't tell anybody. Okay, so uh, and then the cost of poorly implemented permissions. Organisations are um, understanding that you know if you have a poor implementation of the uh, permissions from a user perspective, then you're going to lead to a much more complex uh, environment as far as identity is concerned. So again, it links back to what we're doing in the SaaS space. You know, uh, if you've got a number of different SaaS services, your uh, your consuming uh, and they're using a different licensing model or a different user permissions model then obviously it makes it a lot more complex for your IT guys to uh, get control of that so um, it's important that you know you're adopting a single sign-on strategy so that uh, you don't increase complexity rather than decrease complexity and then the last one on your list so password breaches and phishing attacks I think will will never go away um, people out there are constantly looking I guess to uh, try and hack into people or, or um, get into a new system so there's people who that's all they like to do on the day-to-day -day job is is hack into these sort of things. So attacks and breaches will continue to be the biggest threat to most organizations, uh, especially as they're taking uh, I guess advantage of migrating from internal systems uh, and then migrating data to either externally to the systems or, again, consuming cloud. So an element of loss, loss control is, is happening. So you know the threat will increase because you can't physically get your arms around it and uh, it needs to be appropriately designed to make sure that is it continues to be as secure in your system as it is if you're consuming it from an external provider. And I suspect, you know, most users will still continue to ignore the guidance their internal IT guys give you um, and will continue to most use the same passage of everything and just iterate it with a number on the end. But again, coming back to my point earlier, I think, you know, it's important that the organizations make it as simple as possible 
because if you're forcing users to have to remember tens of passwords all the time, then clearly they're going to either write them down or make them simple for the user to remember. So, you know, keep it simple, single sign-on, aggregate all those accounts together, and then uh, you'll reduce the potential for those attacks to happen. So taking those three predictions then, how will that affect organisations in 2019? And what, if anything, will organisations need to do to take advantage or to protect themselves uh, to it, against it? Okay, so I guess it would be a miss of me to, uh, to not mention Adam Luca, who's our uh, Chief Technologist for Cybersecurity. Um, you know, he's pretty clear and that uh, pretty much everything that we do, uh, security is a thread uh, of every element of every project. So, you know, um, I think organizations uh, as they continue to consume more services and as their uh, you know their landscape and attack surface continues to grow as they consume more services it's important they continue to evaluate i guess what they're doing uh, to make sure that they're secure at every level from our perspective, we'd make sure that they're continuing to evaluate identify where the gaps are uh, and bridge those um, and, and apply the relevant controls or additional technology that will help them gain control of their environment so how likely then out of 10 do you think we'll be talking about these predictions this time next year? It's always a 10 from security because it never goes away. Good answer. Okay, so let's move on to IT intelligence then uh, with Craig. Uh, so Craig, what happened in the world of IT intelligence in 2018 last year? Yeah, so I think it was a, an interesting year in 2018 for, for IT intelligence. And I think we've moved significantly away from just gathering data and, and trying to hold on to a lot of data and this kind of big data concept into, into true intelligence. So really looking for a great deal of insight into systems. Um, we've seen a real acceptance of telemetry and two-way data. So we look at storage arrays, services from, from companies like Nimble with InfoSight, um, who were acquired by HP this year. And, and really the, the acquisition of Nimble in 2018 by HPE was all about InfoSight and taking that data service more so than the actual storage around the, the technology underneath it, between pure storage with Pure One and more and more services coming out even to the consumer space with the smart home and automation continuing to get bigger. And I think it's become a lot more of a holistic thing within 2018, trying to stitch services together. So we've seen more and more services looking for the, the whole IT estate. Uh, obviously, Dean and, and some of the other chaps have mentioned about looking for intelligence across the cloud, multi-cloud and hybrid cloud, getting that very holistic view of intelligence in a broad sense across the entire IT estate. So, Craig, what is your big prediction for 2019 uh, for IT intelligence? So I'd say my, my big prediction for 2019 would definitely be that we're going to see a lot more spread of AI and machine learning technologies across the entire IT infrastructure and the IT estate. It won't just be AI and machine learning technologies that are, are gathering and providing intelligence. There's a lot of data systems on the back end, and we've seen some, some interesting movements in databases, data gathering, edge technologies. But 2018 was very much the year that everything was washed in the, the loving warm glow of AI and machine learning, but actually a lot of those systems weren't quite um, truly integrating that technology. I think in 2019, we're gonna see a lot more true use of AI and machine learning technologies in perhaps in platform as a service and software as a service perspectives, making it a lot more easy to consume, a lot more easy to access for organizations and taking that intelligence right across the full estate, taking traditional products. We've seen organizations that are being acquired and new startups leaning very heavily on the intelligence aspect. I think even, even lower end traditional products are gonna to start to have intelligence baked into them, perhaps by accessing cloud services, APIs and SaaS products. 
So then how will AI machine learning affect organisations and what, if anything, will they need to do or what can they do to take advantage of it? I don't think it's a, a specific kind of point product in the same way, you know, we looked at within 2018, the big flag in the first half of the year was GDPR and that was a, a, a defined deadline needed a defined strategy. AI machine learning is, is part of the tool set. It's not something that has to be adopted. It's not an act of law or anything like that. But it's something that we need to be aware of in the same way that we were aware of the changing nature of public cloud a few years back. AI machine learning has a potential set of opportunities for organizations. There's a potential set of defined risks, their core business line from disruptive organizations adopting these technologies. A lot of a lot of talk is obviously always used about companies like Uber and Airbnb who use data and AI machine learning very intelligently to help create their core business advantage. The same is starting to permeate across the entire landscape in the same way we saw with cloud. So I think it's having an awareness of it, figuring out what the organization's strategy is in those areas and being able to take intelligent actions within the entire IT landscape. Okay, so how likely out of 10 do you think that we'll be talking about AI machine learning this time next year? And why? So I think it's a it's a ten out of ten, really. I think it's an absolute inevitability that we'll be talking about it this time next year, because there's been a lot of hype, there's a lot of investment from vendors, and a lot of VC funding and startups coming to the fore in the field of AI machine learning. Now, whether we're talking about it in a positive light this time next year is another question. Um, it may have turned out to be a bust and we're not quite there and we've reached you know, a, a point where the maths and mathematical theories that we have just completely fall off a cliff. That's that's very much a possibility. We may, on the other hand, be talking about something really world-changing, new categories, new companies, new disruptions. But absolutely, it's, a, it's an absolute certainty that we will be talking about it in a year's time and for many years to come, I, be, I believe. Okay, so let's do a quick summary then. Dean? So this year, hybrid clouds, multi-cloud is going to accelerate. It's going to continue. Organizations will understand better where public cloud fits into that story. Excellent. Adam? Windows 10. There's a lot of work to be done, um, and organizations are going to need to focus on Windows 10. Collaboration will be be the next uh, most used word on the tenders we receive, I'm sure. Uh, And VDI is going to the cloud. We're going to drop the I from the VDI and let someone else do it for us. Dylan? So don't forget, identity and access management is key in uh, support of your cloud migration uh, and keep an eye out for those password breaches and uh, phishing attacks. And Craig? So we're going to see intelligent use of data. AI and machine learning will continue to be top of the hype cycle. We'll see if, if hype turns into reality. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, guys. Adam, Dean, Dylan and Craig. It's been really interesting talking to you all and getting your views on what is in store for this year. Thank you so much for your time. If there's anything in the show, listeners, that has piqued your interest or if you'd like to talk to someone at SoftCare about anything that we've talked about in this episode, we'll include uh, some details in the show notes with some contact information plus some links to some of the stuff that we've talked about in this episode as well. Do also make sure you click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So that's been Explain It from SoftCare. Thanks for listening and goodbye.